Remember when Calendly was the only game in town when it came to scheduling meetings? Now, just about every ESP has developed similar functionality. So, how does competition from massive ESPs impact the overall go-to-market approach for a smaller company like Calendly? According to David Rostin, Calendly's VP of Marketing, that level of competition sharpens the approach. It doesn't impact it negatively. Their knowledge of the user, their approach to freemium and onboarding, the quality of their integrations. Because this is Calendly's core focus, they're able to offer a simpler and downright better experience than a massive ESP adding calendar functionality as a throwaway feature ever could. And because Calendly isn't limited to one ESP, its user base ranges from salespeople to solo photographers to teachers and coaches. Everyone needs to manage their calendar. Rostin and the team at Calendly are making bets to ensure you only need them to do it. This is Ground Up. It's a podcast about growth, except without all the numbers. Here, we tell the stories of everything behind the numbers, the ideas, the habits, the discipline, and also the personal and professional growth of some of the smartest marketers and business owners that we know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. So I actually want to start on positioning, because uh, Calendly's positioning on the website is 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 around avoiding the hassle of like back and forth scheduling meetings, and I'm curious because the company could have went several different ways with that, right? Uh, book more sales demos, make it easier to book sales demos. So I want to dig into like the thought process or sort of like the vision behind that at Calendly. My guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because of the freemium component, a larger addressable market beyond just salespeople was probably a factor there. So, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on on just the overall positioning. Yeah, I think that you're right. The the addressable market just gets so big when you when you attack a universal pain point, sure. and that's critical as we do a, a freemium model and kind of the free trial model as well. Um, and I think also you kind of nailed it on how we could have gone. Book more sales meetings is the most obvious one, especially right. since our founder, Tope, came out of sales. So he was he was solving one of his problems. Um, but I think that the we want people to show up on our properties or experience us, and we kind of want to implicitly ask them the question ever had this giant headache getting a meeting on the books that you wanted because you had to go back and forth to find the right time and everybody everybody answers yes and that's a really powerful thing sure, when yeah. when everybody answers yes to your pain point that that's a very powerful thing right and, and so what uh, what were some of those pain because you know there's several when it comes to booking meetings right there's you know there's different time zones there's, you know, having to go back and forth to your calendar and manually type in the times and email. What were, you know, what are some of the, the bigger pain points that you consistently hear from users around booking meetings and how, how Calendly solves that? And I think that the, it's, it's that back and forth hassle is certainly the biggest by far, but then, then you're right on point again, time zones. Yeah. Um, that's another one, uh, particularly as we go, uh, more global and people are meeting by video, um, more globally. Um, so that's another, uh, we had a big, big hit with our, 
um, with our SMS reminders because people are definitely more mobile and how do you how do you integrate into the mobile experience of meetings and connecting for meetings? Um, how do you make sure that people show up on time? Um, yeah, but I think that the the biggest one by far is you want a meeting on the books. Um, the best way to do it is to make it seamless right at the height of mutual interest. Sure. And so regarding the positioning again, um, who who are some of the bigger swaths of users? I would imagine there is a lot of salespeople using it, but my my brother has a side gig business where he's a photographer and he books all of his sessions with Calendly. And I didn't know that until like a, a couple of weeks ago. And my, my wife and I actually... Uh, he, he took photos of us for our annual Christmas card. And I was like, oh, you use Calendly. Uh, I don't know why I was surprised because like, you know, it's, he's, he's dealing directly with consumers, right? Um, I, you know, I automatically think cause I'm in the B2B world, like that it was a B2B tool, but like how, how does the user base shake down in terms of B2C versus B2B salespeople versus support versus marketing? Like what can you share in regards to that? Sure. Um, so I love to hear that people are, all sorts of people are using Calendly. Uh, photographer is actually a pretty common one. We break down our market into roughly two segments, the solo and the team user. And the solo user can be everything from the networker, hustler, um, podcaster, uh, or sure. the or the kind of solo business things like health and beauty, uh, booking appointments, um, coaches of of uh, various kinds. So that's that's a big piece of our business and about half of our user base. Um, then on the business side, you can think of it, uh, anybody who makes or loses money based on the successful meetings they do and don't have uh, needs Calendly. So sure. there you're talking about sales, of course. You're talking about customer support and account management for the um, I want, I need to schedule your onboarding meeting so that you don't churn a year from now and so that you're successful. I'm a, I, I'm a financial agent in a company and I need these touch points quarterly so I want to make it easy. So that customer client service is a big one. Uh, we see a lot of recruiters using Calendly. Sure. Um, you know, high volume, making sure that you're the first person to talk to that candidate, especially in our crazy hiring market now. Um, and then we see a lot from uh, product and marketing teams for user research. And then finally, we see a uh, lot of use in education, primarily because it's a microcosm of some of those other things, student advisement, um, attracting new students, hiring professors and staff. Is there any specific niche or persona that you've seen over time is is more likely to become a paid user versus staying on the freemium product just because i would imagine right the solo guys maybe even some of the hustlers the photographers like they're probably good fits for the freemium product um although you know they might have different meeting types and might trip the 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 paid wire there but is there is there specific swaths of users that are more likely to pay there certainly are i think that in the uh, in the solo area, uh, they're they're very much likely to convert because it's really really their lifeblood. There's no backup to it. If if the photographer doesn't book the session, sure. like game over. So I think we see a pretty good uptick there on on conversions. Um, but yes, we we see um, we see it kind of 
event-based, that's our biggest trigger. So if you need more than one event type, if you need the 15-minute call and the hour-long call, right. uh, or if you need the video connect versus the in-person coffee, whatever that looks like. Um, so yeah, you see a lot of sales teams uh, because it's it's such an inexpensive part of an enterprise sales platform. Um, you don't think twice about it. If you're using um, Salesforce and you have meetings and you want the information from that meeting to go into Salesforce so you can say, oh, you have scheduled a call with me, then you, you pay, you buy Calendly. And then on the other side, things like uh, recruiting teams often do convert for things like the SMS messaging um, and, and those kinds of features that really put them over the top. They have to have these screening calls. They can't. Um, right. They can't miss them. So, uh, so those those are two that have really high conversion. What are the main mechanisms for converting to paid in the app, like the, the paywalls? I know having more than one meeting type is one. Are there more, and is is are any more effective than others? Uh, certainly, certainly more. There are some uh, that are more effective than others, and we try to figure that out uh, all the time. Sure. So. Um, a lot of our integrations are uh, are triggers for conversion. Those are behind uh, a paywall. And if you're using uh, in various parts of your sales and marketing stack, we'll integrate with Calendly. And so uh, once you once you use those, it's kind of like you're paying for this marketing automation software. You're paying sure. for this CRM tool. This helps you maximize that. It's kind of a no-brainer to convert. Um, I've already mentioned reminders, things like multiple events. That's easily our, our best because if you're a free active user, you have a couple events a week that you schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing you know, you, you don't want to meet for, you, you don't want to meet me for a half hour. You right. just want five minutes of discovery or I'm super important and you want an hour and you want this to be a Zoom call or a Skype call instead of a phone call. So you start to need that, and that's uh, that's our biggest probably. So that's, that's the most effective, and the SMS reminders as well is is, uh, SMS is a big and, component. Yeah, SMS and email, and those those are uh, those are actually pretty different conversion triggers because right. you know not a lot of customer success and account management teams will uh, text you a reminder sure. for your uh, customer onboarding call, but a recruiter or um, a, a student advisor will text you to remind you. Sure, sure. Yeah, I can see that's super effective. And so like, I'm curious, as some of the bigger ESPs have introduced similar functionality uh, into the core products, how has that impacted the marketing, positioning, just the overall approach, if at all? Um, I think that it... It sharpens it. It doesn't change it. So, you know, we're we're in a good position as far as being the leader in in this market. So you'll have bigger players marketing against us, which is a bit unusual. Um, but we see a couple things happening. One, um, people who really really uh, drive their success based on these meetings. They need best in class, and we're clearly best in class. And we have a lot of integrations with some of those other platforms as well, where you could use theirs or ours, and they'll tell us, you guys are best in class. 
we want best in class for our customers. That's why we're enabling this kind of integration with you. Um, so I think that while they will get people who say, oh, hey, look, this is bundled into the product. I book a few meetings. Then they'll use the they'll use the in platform version, but when they want they want absolute best um, best integrations, um, most robust features, and kind of the things that handling the details that you don't think about when it's not your core product. Sure. Um, then they'll use Calendly. It's hard to compete with a company that that's your core focus, right? Rather than just an add on, right? And I'm yeah. sure that you found that. For sure, and and our product team is just maniacal about those things, about getting it right. We just don't put things in our product that aren't aren't good, and we don't fail to. Like, we try to address all the key components. Certainly, not every component under the sun. You right, can't right. do that. Um, yeah. But we make really good choices about what goes in and what doesn't to keep it as the most powerful on the market and still remain the simplest. How do you do that? What, like what's the mechanism for, for user feedback and incorporated prioritizing it, incorporating that into the overall strategy? So I think that it's um, several things. Our user feedback from customer support is great and really plugged in to our, to our product team. Um, this year, something that we've gotten a lot better at that's been really important is having the same kind of plug-in to our sales team to see to see what they're seeing on the front lines. We definitely believe that you don't really understand a thing until you try to sell it to another person. So, um, so we've made that feedback loop. And then I think the other is um, not just taking those things and putting them into the product, but taking that feedback and that study and that empathy for our customer and trying to trying to become that ourselves trying trying to understand it ourselves so that uh, we always are able to go back to the core of is that is that what a user will want is that what they're expecting um, and I think that our head of product and all our product managers have been really good at that and um, to be honest our, our CEO and founder tope um, there's just nobody better. He's just really good at, um, at driving to those kind of excellent results. Sure. So, uh, what does the marketing team look like? How, how is that structured? Uh, right now we have, we have just two verticals of marketers and we have a small marketing team, uh, but we have, uh, so many, so many open headcounts, um, <laughs> trying to grow it a lot faster. So, we have a couple of product marketers and a customer lifecycle CRM marketer uh, in one of those branches kind of under the product marketing umbrella. Um, and then we're just building out an acquisition team. And um, in the past, I have seen acquisition be divided into organic and paid, but yep. we don't here because uh, we... We want that. We want to be doing the best things. We want to kind of understand how they work together, not one or the other. Kind of how the inbound works with the amplification of the paid. Um, so we've got that team, um, and we're hiring and building that out right now. Um, we've just got the the leader in place now, and I think that the next vertical that we add, the next pillar we add, will be a brand team. It's interesting that you're you're just 
focusing on the acquisition sort of sort of piece now, I would imagine that the viral component of the app has allowed uh, Calendly to con- continue growing users without having maybe like a, uh, a dedicated team focused on you know acquisition you know or organic or, or whatever it is. Uh, would, is that an accurate uh, assessment? Is the viral component really has acted as the acquisition team up until now? Very much so. That and our brand. So we, you know, there are two kinds of viral. They're the people who use us and adopt us right away, and then they're the people who use us and like the experience, got our message, kind of understood what we did and who we were in the market, and then later when they they experienced the pain point, they wanted to solve it. They they go directly back to Calendly. They don't look around and ask around. They know where they're going and they come directly back. So yes, that that definitely powers our growth. And has for a long time, and that's that's why marketing strategically at Calendly starts with product marketing. Right. So it's really people like to call it product-led growth now, but that's kind of been baked into the Calendly product since it was founded. Yes, definitely. So, um, in terms of like content, organic, paid, all that kind of thing, the marketing mix. What does that look like right now? Is it been just you know aside from the viral component are you are, are you doing a lot of that so we we did a lot of uh a lot of content blog content and when we do uh it's we do it more to the business side mm. more of the types of content playbooks helping our core customer set do their job better whether it's using calendly or not and then starting to sprinkle in calendly as a way to also do that better so um, we've done that for a while, and this year we recently started doing uh, paid ads as well, mostly uh, search right now. I'm curious because, like, obviously the freemium component is a huge part of the product, and even the paid, it's you know, it's on the lower end, it's a lower price point uh, when you do upgrade to pro. So, how does that determine your marketing mix, right? Because a lot of companies can throw a ton of money into paid. Your acquisition costs are going to go way up, but then you have a lower price point. So obviously the payback period is going to be longer. How much of that kind of goes into the thought process behind determining the marketing mix? Um, it, it definitely influences it a lot. Um, I think about it, though, in terms of maybe it doesn't influence the mix of channels we can use. It influences the, the level of people that we can speak with. Sure. So uh, I can it, – it's very expensive to acquire a VP of sales as a lead. But maybe it's not as expensive to hire an account manager or an SDR. Um, and these, these are the kinds of teams that can adopt uh, a Calendly inside of their enterprise, and then it starts to grow and take off. So our, our land and expand strategy start in some teams. You see incredible value really quickly. It spreads because it's kind of a no-brainer. So it, it's, uh, it's something where we can probably play in a lot of the same channels just go after different entry points into into the business into the buyer right and you might not need you know five million impressions right uh to pay for all those impressions in order to because like you said um i don't know if you have data behind this but when somebody inside of a company uses calendly how quickly does it spread within that company um 
I think that we we spread to a small team um, pretty quickly. It's really hard for us to tell how big a team should be. <laughs> right. Right. So do we have all 10 of your sales team or do we have 10 of 200? Sure. Um, we we start to understand that and we've built out the sales team and we're just this year we've tooled to kind of have an understanding and go deliberately have an expansion motion. Um, but once we do know that you are a team, uh, we do we do experience expansion rather than churn. Right, right. And uh, and and then obviously they're booking meetings externally, so that's it's is it. I would assume it's harder to track that as well, right? Or you could probably track referrals from each from each user. So I would assume once a user inside of say like you know me inside a data box and I'm booking all of these meetings with either podcast guests or you know partners, um, you know is is there a, is there a figure in terms of like what the average number of referrals a free user uh, nets you guys? We we do have that. I don't know that we've ever shared it publicly, right. but we we can kind of do some some patient zero looks at yeah. at how people have how people have spread. Um, and that's also another thing we don't we don't spend based on that payback for our acquisition right now. Um, but growing into the future, we certainly can because. Uh, when you were talking about how do we how do we buy media against somebody who has really 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 high contract values, um, that's probably another way in the future where we could do that if we if we justified our payback in our ROI based on the fully loaded viral component. Sure, and so that even even going forward as you build out an acquisition team. The, that viral component, the referral-based components, like that has to be con- continue to be your most effective channel going forward. Always, right? Yeah, it, always. Uh, and I think we consider the uh, sorry the the other channels um, just a way to add more fuel to that viral fire. Right? There's a there's a value in getting a person now instead of next year because that's a whole year of meetings that person could be booking and sure. that growth is is meaningful. And what is um what is that onboarding look like? So if somebody, you know, me signs up for Calendly and I schedule any meeting with somebody who doesn't, um, what is that sort of back end referral engagement look like uh, in, in onboarding um, you know, for somebody who wasn't a user but booked a meeting uh, with somebody who did? So we're very careful to treat that person like like the um like our customer's customer not like our customer. Right. So if you invite somebody to a meeting, uh we don't say great, now we've got that person's email mm-hmm. address and phone number so we're going to market to them. Um so we only market to them in some small areas inside the experience that that you, the person inviting them, creates. So, but we do work on those, and that's kind of on your meeting confirmation page. We're saying, hey, this is what Calendly is, and it avoids the back and forth hassle. Would you like it for yourself? It's free. That kind of messaging to get them started um, in things like the uh, like the meeting reminders. And in that that experience, we message a bit about, hey, this came from K 
Calendly, uh, almost like a bit of a stronger powered by message. Right. So you're sending messages, but it's more like reminders about the meeting rather than like a, a straight nurturing email campaign. Right. We, you aren't going to get an email from us saying, hey, saw you booked a Calendly sure. meeting the other day. Get our four-step guide to how to have better sales meetings. Right. None, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine that's a, that's a strong uh, brand play, too, Like as, as you guys look to, to build that out more, that you're not, I mean, you have the opportunity to, to spam all these users, but you don't, right? You make it about the meeting right. uh, and right. about the experience in the product. Yeah, and we think about that. We have... We have pretty strong beliefs, um, and I think that we think over the course of a 10-year period, five-year period, whatever, right. those beliefs are going to pay off in, in kind of the way that you said. By by being that kind of company, it net makes us stronger, even though it's enticing to see all the people booking meetings that, that I suppose that we could contact. You know, we talked earlier about some of the conversion points that work in terms of getting your free users to upgrade, but what about the people that are referred into the product that we were just talking about? Um, are the mechanisms the same? Um, uh, because like, like you said, you're not really viewing them or counting them as a quote unquote user at that point. So is it really just about getting them more active in the product or are, are there also sort of paid mechanisms at work there too that are working on the referrals into the Calendly? Yes, yeah, so we we don't use paid mechanisms for our activation right now. Um, we do we do try to segment by intent and by uh, and by your use case to try to give you different activation experiences. Um, and I think that that's that's where we try to take advantage of our viral nature um, the most. Right, we we kind of. The product gifts us these users every day, um, so it's our job to try to activate them, make them activate and adopt. So I think that that's a it's a very big part of our product and our marketing strategy. Sure. And what are the what are the from a marketing standpoint? What do the goals look like? Because obviously you have, you know, probably everything from traffic, you know, free signups, referrals, that kind of thing. Like, talk about some of the the goals and the metrics that the team is is measured against? Sure. So I think that we start with um, with our company goals. Our company goals are pretty simple. We want, um, we want user growth, but the right users. So we measure monthly active users. Um, we measure against annual recurring revenue, and we measure against meetings booked. As you as you imagine, meetings sure. booked is everything to us. Like if, we've, if we're taking care of that number, since it kind of encompasses every other number um, and drives our growth, that's what we aim at. So we try to do things that, on the marketing side that make that happen more. When we look at visitors, um, we do try to add new channels of visitors, but particularly we need to add new channels of very targeted users. Um, so we measure we measure our marketing spend to activated user, not to visits, not to signups, but to activated user. The reason meeting is because booked a meeting that would be considered activated. Uh, three meetings three in meetings. our case. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so reason, go on. Yeah. Why do you do that? Because. We get so much product-led growth that it that 
um, traffic going through a just send tons of traffic. We can't like we can't efficiently acquire so much traffic to make it high impact versus our core growth strategy. So in order to prove out channels, we need to show that we're we're acquiring a better um, a better segment of users. So for example, if we get thousands of users a day from our product, then it's better for us to get 500 additional about to be activated users than it is to get 2,000 random ones that right. that don't activate. So we, we need to compete in quality more so than volume on the marketing side. So meetings booked and activated users is, is a big is a big thing. What works in terms of uh, meetings booked? Because I, yeah, I would assume there's a percentage of users that sign up, don't book a meeting. Um, how do you nudge in that case? Like what, what, what works in terms of uh, getting folks to book meetings and hit that three meeting threshold? A few things. Uh, one is getting them to take ownership of their event type. Right? We make one for you and you can share it right out of the gate. Um, and it's your own unique link. But if they understand it or if they just look at it and say and look and see, oh, wait, this isn't giving complete strangers complete access to my calendar right. in ways I don't want. I, I can put guardrails in here mm -hmm. to give people that I want to meet with the exact access that I want them to have at that exact moment. Once they get that aha and kind of understand that mm -hmm. this is the way to perfectly control their accessibility rather than open it wide open, I think that that's, that's big. So it's just in understanding and comfort. Then the other is helping them think about those times to use a Calendly. Somebody emails you and says, can you send me some time that works? Think of Calendly. Don't look at your calendar. That's the wrong place to go. Sure. Look inside your Calendly, grab your link and say, yes, I can send you some times that work. They're all here in this convenient link. Um, so that's another, just finding the, the places where they're having meetings. If you're a salesperson, it's, like, how do you schedule meetings right now? You need to think about those and how to make them better. So at this point, put it in your marketing automation. Put it on your thank you page yeah. of a lead form. Like, just telling them the places to think about it is probably the, the second thing. I love the, the paste into email feature as well. Uh, yes. That was a great touch. Yeah, you used that with me when we were speaking. Yeah, yeah, it makes it so much easier for everyone else booking time. Um yeah, so it sounds like that aha moment is when people figure out and actually uh, adjust their calendar, right? Adjust the schedule, say, okay, Wednesdays and Fridays from this time to this time is when people can book time with me, and and that's it. That that seems to be sort of the aha moment and gets people more engaged with the product. For the for the solo user, yes, yeah. it's probably that, and then for the business user, it's probably just telling them, hey, here's how here's how pros in your Right. field of work are doing this really successfully. They're dropping it into their signature. They're putting it in their welcome email. They're putting it in an automated sequence here. They're setting it up with a reminder a day in advance, just telling them what successful pros in this area are doing to see uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of success with the product. And, and so what does your planning process look like in terms of 
you know, setting the goals for the team? Is it uh, obviously I'm sure there's an annual forecast or in terms of revenue. Um, but do you do you usually plan on an annual basis, a quarterly basis? How does that look for, for the team in terms of uh, setting goals for everyone? I think it's annual and quarterly. It mm-hmm. follows an annual planning cycle for uh, for the company. And as a leadership team, we revisit that that planning um, every six months. So we we plan on what numbers we need to hit. Um, so we have a business as usual. We don't want to do business as usual. But if we do a really good job with the things that we're doing right now, this is what our growth looks like. We'd like to grow to this higher level. What are the things that we as a company think we can do really effectively to get there? And then those are those are the company-wide strategies, the bets that we're placing throughout a year. So then I just go back to my team and I say, okay, these are – we, then we divide up our planning into two s- sequences. It's one, these are the big bets. What do we need to do to participate in these company-wide things? So we need to hire um, salespeople to handle this volume. We need to do um, full lifecycle campaigns, paid and content against this vertical. So those types of things. Um, then we take a look at our uh, current marketing and how to improve it. So right. just our, our standard things. And um, for us, that looks like, um, you know, I mentioned that, that we have beliefs as a company. A lot of that is kind of belief-based. Like we believe that if we tell the story better in these areas that we'll see results over the long term. So we do set quantitative goals against things um, but we also set goals to bring bring them to life right we want to bring to life better user stories and we're going to do it in this way um, and then once we bring it to life we expect it to have this impact but uh, you know we've got a lot of experienced people so it's not that we it's not that we're going with our gut but certain things we know these are the bets we're making so we so it sounds like it's when you bring the when you bring organizational goals to the marketing team. It sounds like you share that, and it's more bottoms up in terms of hey, what are the things we can do? And you kind of take feedback, and and yeah. everybody kind of participates in that process rather than than mar- you know you as the marketing leader dictating what's you know the specific initiatives and, and bets you're going to make. Yes, on the marketing side for sure. That's yeah, that's definitely how we have to with a with a small team. So. Right. Yeah, that's the only way to be effective, I think. So I want to end here. Um, going into 2020, uh, what, what would you say the most ambitious goal is for marketing? You don't have to share an actual numeric goal, but like in terms of a project or initiative, uh, what's sort of the most ambitious thing you're looking at as a team going into next year? I think next year we'll bring a new product line and type uh, to market. So okay, interesting. Th- it's not just going to be better at what we're doing. It is. It, it's directly what we're doing, but it's a it's a different vertical, a different go to market. Maybe including different packaging of it. So we need to invent that. We need to we need to invent and nurture all the leads. We need to coordinate the go to market with when the product is ready to support it. We need to build up the sales team, educate, train on that side. So I think that that 
that's going to be kind of a moment in time that we've got to plan up to. And normally, we don't have that kind of product launch and company-wide um, campaign launch coming together at a point in time. Normally, we continuously release, we update, we upgrade. Um, and I think that this is going to be this is going to be a unique one for us. So uh, getting that right is both a huge opportunity. Um, and uh, it's going to be a big challenge for us, I think. It's exciting. I'm intrigued. Can't wait to see All what's right. up your sleeve. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll let you know as early as I can. <laughs> David, this was great, man. Thanks for coming on. And I learned a lot about Calendly, but also the freemium approach, which is applicable to us because we have a free plan. So I'm sitting here like taking mental notes, writing stuff down. So it was it's great to hear from uh, a, a company that's been doing it this way for so long and successfully, especially in, in light of so much competition. So thanks for, for coming on and sharing so much. My pleasure. And certainly you can reach out uh, anytime and we can discuss this stuff. I, I enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.